is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. We have a Stanley Cup final. The defending champion Tampa Bay Lightning playing host to the Montreal Canadiens. The upstart trying to revisit 1993 and to break it all down will be the voice of of NHL International have the call with Kevin Weeks tonight for the Stanley Cup final my friend the great EJ Raddick how are you sir oh thank you Don thank you very much you are my friend as well and uh how is Nancy doing with this Canadians run to the final I know your wife is a Canadians fan well it's shocking it would she'd be she'd be more entertained by it if we didn't have the twins that really take up a lot of the time and (laughs) But listen, she's got the best team in baseball in the San Francisco Giants, the first team to win 50 games. She's got her hockey team in the Stanley Cup uh, final. It's It's been uh, sports nirvana for her. Yes, it has. That's perfect. Yeah, it's hey, working out well. Let me know well. if she wants to take Brian Cashman off my hands. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, would, I would say that's a story for another day, but it's actually a story every day. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Unfortunately. <laughs> But let's move along. Yes, let's gallop along. And I guess uh, before we get set, uh, we should uh, just get your thoughts on uh, Game 7, Islanders and the Lightning. And I think, I don't know if you were in the building that night for Game 7 of the conference final in 2015 when the Rangers fell victim to Tampa. Uh, Different players, but same same coach, same, same style. And if you remember that game, the Rangers were shut out at the Garden uh, they were the President's Trophy winners and just could not get a sniff against this Lightning team. And it was very eerily similar that even though they were only down a goal, it just didn't feel like the Islanders were going to find a way, especially when you've got 12 shots on goal with 10 minutes left to go in the game. Uh, it just looked eerily similar to me, just a team going out without being able to find just that one goal to extend the season. Yeah, I mean, if I recall that night for the Rangers, I believe Ryan McDonough was trying to play with injury, and they weren't sure if he could play. I think they shot him up for some kind of foot or ankle yes. injury, and he couldn't, like, uh, it, the, the shot uh, apparently did not have the intended impact, and so that kind of messed with the Rangers' lineup that evening. And, uh, you know, the disappointing part of that was just the Rangers were on home ice in the Game 7 and again, if my memory serves me correctly, I think they had a big night in Game Six in Tampa. I think they scored yes. like seven goals, and then they just went out with a whimper. They didn't really have a sniff. You're absolutely right in that game. It was a really, I thought, uh, really depressing Game Seven if you're a Ranger fan. Um, I think in this case, the Islanders are on the road, and uh, you know, you're right. They didn't get much going. I would say for the first 45, 50 minutes, they. But they were within one shot of tying it, and I thought their last 10 minutes they made a real push. They had an, a couple of opp- really good opportunities around the net. The puck just wouldn't fall for them, and so they ended up on the losing end. But I think the similarity is that, you know, the Lightning can can make it hard for you and can shut you down, and, and that was an earlier version of, of this team. I think it's a much better version six years later where they've already now won a Stanley Cup last season. So... And I think they have, quite frankly, they have better players, more mature players, most of the guys that are still there. The, the new ones, the new guys are better. So, yeah, it's, it was a reminder that the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, can make it really hard for you. And then, you know, it's kind of a, an odd moment. You get a shorthanded goal. Uh, 
you know, the, the Islanders have a power play. You think that's a, an opportunity for them, and then Tampa scores a shorthanded goal. Great play by Ryan McDonough. Uh, terrific shot by Yanni Gord. I mean, here's another guy, undrafted, and he's found his way into the NHL. He's been a really important role player for them. And I love two things about that shot. Is First of all, he didn't dust the puck off at all. Like, he didn't handle it. He just got it off his stick quick at the net, and he hit the target. And uh, if you do those two things enough, you're going to score goals in the league. So just, uh, you know, got to give the Tampa Bay Lightning a lot of credit. And, you know, Kucherov played. Uh, I don't know if he was at his uh, normal dangerous best, but he was in the lineup. And we, so with that, we assume he's going to be in there again tonight, but I guess we'll wait and see. Yeah, we'll wait and see. And, and try to... Give me your thoughts on this. I, I hate to bring it up, but it just it keeps coming up in conversation all the time. And, of course, there was the screenshot of the goal, five lightning on the ice, should have been too many men. We've seen this theme throughout the playoffs. In, in situations like that, EJ, is that just missed? Is that something that happens a lot and we just got to discard it? Like, how outraged should Islander fans be by that photo? Well, I mean... I think we could take a lot of photos of a lot of situations when guys are changing and coming on on the ice and, and off the ice. I mean, it was relatively close to the bench there. The linesman gives them a little leeway on changes, especially when they're when the puck is not anywhere near them. Um, hey, listen, when you lose one up, and I guess you can, you know, you could point to a lot of things, and if you want to point to that, I guess feel free. I, I would always say the same thing. I mean. You, you don't score goals. You don't win hockey games. And the Otters, you know, they have had some trouble scoring goals. They were one for 17 on the power play over the last uh, bit in that series. They had a power play opportunity in the game. I don't know if Tampa had one in that game. So, uh, you know, you have to take advantage of those things when you have them. Um, you know, the one thing I would look at with the Otters, too, is, you know, you get to a game of seven, you lose one nothing. So I, I guess you can't be too critical of anyone, but... You know, you do wonder, would it have been better to try to get Oliver Wallstrom into this series somewhere yeah. uh, once he was healthy after the injury against the Penguins? Just because he's a threat on the power play. And I know he's a young player and you're worried about his two-way play, but at some point in time you do, I think, have to take a chance in that circumstance. I mean, suppose the Montreal Canadiens opted never to take a chance with Cole Caulfield and just said, listen, he's just a young kid. We don't think he can handle the rigors of the two-way game. Uh, you know, they wouldn't be playing tonight, quite frankly, if they didn't go with Cole Caulfield in the, early in the playoffs after sitting him out in the first uh, game or two against the Leafs. So, for me, uh, you know, that's one thing I would look at because, you know, he's a guy that can score. He can score from distance. He can help your power play. But, you know, again, you get to the you get to game seven of a conference final. I mean, they pushed a lot of buttons there for sure. Yeah, there's no question. And now we move on to a surprising Stanley Cup final, at least from the uh, Montreal Canadiens, and, and they did it. We, you know, we said that this was probably going to be a long series once we had to completely buy in that Montreal was legit, and they ended up finishing off Vegas even quicker than that in six games. And, and now and now it's easy, EJ, to just say, well, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to ignore – the Canadians now, you know, they surprised me for three straight series, so I'm going to ride it. But there's still a part of me that believes that at some point, as good as they are, and maybe we we underreacted to them early in the playoffs, maybe we underrated them as a team. 
but can you at least agree that this Tampa team is unlike anything they faced, right? Because t- Toronto's flawed, lost Tavares. Winnipeg was flawed, lost Shifley. Uh, Vegas didn't get anything uh, out of their forwards. And as you mentioned, um, you know, Stevenson being out early in that series probably hurt the Vegas Golden Knights. This is going to be a completely taller, tougher mountain to climb for Montreal in this final versus Tampa. Yeah, I would I would agree. Uh, there's no question. They're defending Stanley Cup champions. I mean, they've run the gauntlet in this uh, run to the Cup final. I mean, they had a really emotional, tough series against the Florida Panthers team that is that had a really good year. And uh, you know, you could have seen you could have made a case for Florida Panthers going on a run in the postseason, but that got snuffed out by Florida. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes were one of the very best teams in the league this year, and yet Tampa was able to take them out in five. And then the Islanders were just, I mean, the Islanders just kept coming. They were physical. They were, you know, they made it, they make it hard for you night after night. And, uh, but Tampa found a way to, to win that series in the seventh game. So, uh, you know, this is a really good team. They haven't lost uh, two games in a row in the postseason. Going back uh, over, I think it's 13 in a row now, where after a loss, they've come back with a win. Yep. They've got a great goalie. They've got a group of defensemen. You know, on their left side of their defense, I mean, Hedman, McDonough, and Sergachev is pretty damn good. Um, and, you know, their lines, one through four, are terrific. Um, so, you know, they're just a really, you know, they're, they're, and they're hardened uh, by, by playoff disappointment in the past. Again, most of these guys, you look at that roster of the 2015 Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, I would dare say there's probably about 10 guys that were on that team that are still on this team today. So, it's, uh, you know, this is a really, really good team. And, and one other thing, Don, about this group is that I would think they have to realize in that room that, like, this is their, this is the best chance to win another cup because they are going to be hamstrung by salary cap issues moving forward. I mean, they were fortunate in a way this year because of the situation with Kucherov that allowed them to carry extra players because that's just the way the rules are written with the CBA. Next year, um, you know, they've got a couple of important guys, Goudreau and Coleman, that are going to be unrestricted free agents. They've got other contract situations they're going to have to figure out. Uh, This is not going to be the same Tampa Bay Lightning team from a depth standpoint next year as it is right now. So, you know, I would think that in that room, there's guys in there that realize, hey, I'm not going to be with this team next year. And, you know, this is the best, this is really my best chance to get this done right now. And we have a really strong group in here. So, you know, they're going to be hard to beat. But that said, the Montreal Canadiens are kind of built for, for this kind of hockey. They're great goaltender, four really big, strong defensemen that are hard to play against. Their penalty killing has been terrific. They get contributions throughout their lineup. Uh, they have a strict, uh, quick strike capability. They can turn pucks over the neutral zone, and they don't need a lot of time in the O zone to score goals. So uh, I'm very interested to watch this series and see how it plays out. And it's two teams, really, when you think, I mean, they know each other because they're division rivals. I know they did not play each other this year, and they weren't in the same division this year. But they are normally, and they will go back to being in the same division next year. So uh, I think there's some familiarity there between these two groups. Yeah, there's no question. Where, where do we stand with uh, Desharm and Armia right now? Well, Desharm can return for Game 3 in Montreal. 
if all goes well. So that's uh, you know that's the good news for him. Although they've been just fine with Luke Richardson and company running the bench. Uh, as for Armia, your guess is as good as mine. I mean, he went into the protocol yesterday. That was surprising. Did not make the trip to Tampa. You know, this is one of those things that really bothers me. I was really ready to to, to pick Montreal going into this series. I just think they've played so well and they're. They're in a, you know, they're they're built for this kind of hockey, but they've had a lot of good fortune in the first three rounds, and now to start this series, if Joel Armia can't be a part of it, I mean that's a huge loss because he makes that fourth line go with those two war horses, Eric Stahl and Corey Perry, so he makes that a really effective line because this is a, a still a very young player, former first round draft pick of the Buffalo Sabers that has a lot of skill and a lot of talent, and he's been dynamic on the penalty kill and really helped break up and disrupt the breakout of opposing teams. And the Canadians' penalty kill, I mean, it's been perfect. I think over the last 13 games, I don't think they've allowed a power play goal. So, that's, I mean, that in itself is, is, is kind of mind-boggling. They've been that good. But he's been a big part of that. So, for me, Joel Armia is, is not a guy that's easily replaceable right now. And uh, I guess we'll have to watch and see if he can uh, clear protocol because we don't know what's happened. We don't know if he's if he's tested positive. We don't know if he's been in close contact. So we really are at a loss to know where he stands, at least at this point as we, as we do this uh, recording. So, you know, I, I think if they can get him back, that would be a huge help for them. But he's, uh, make no mistake, he's an important piece of that group. Oh, you know, big t- that you can't really just you can't afford to lose like key players. Everything's got to be perfect. The engine's got to be running smoothly if Montreal's got a chance in this series. You know, I'm kind of with you too. It, it, it that makes it kind of difficult. But Tampa's just so good and on the verge of winning back-to-back Stanley Cup finals. And and it's also it's time to really acknowledge John Cooper, right? And I know that people on the inside acknowledge how good a coach he is, but sometimes I think it gets lost kind of the way that it did for Babcock back in the days in Detroit where the team is so good and you kind of forget how well they're coached. He's only the sixth coach in the expansion era to go to a Stanley Cup final with the same team three times. Uh, this team has been consistently good now for for over half a decade. Uh, this is one of the best coaches in the league, and I'm just wondering if people really acknowledge not only his place in history but also you know, giving him significant reason for why the team is where they are. Well, if people don't acknowledge that John Cooper's an excellent coach, I mean, they haven't really been paying attention. I mean, the guy has won literally everywhere he's ever been. I mean, uh, you know, he won as a as a uh, junior hockey coach in the in the U.S. and he went on to win in the minors. Uh, and then he's gone to Tampa and he's had nothing but success there. Now, in Tampa, he's inherited a really good roster. And I'm sure that he had good players in the minors and in other places as well. But the bottom line is that uh, he knows how to put all the pieces together. He's a really bright guy. He's very articulate. Um, I do think that there's times within the group there that sometimes there's a feeling that maybe he gets more attention than than maybe uh, he should get because the media likes John Cooper. Let's face it. I mean, and why wouldn't we? He's uh, like I said, he's very bright, very articulate. He's He's got a good sense of humor, and uh, he doesn't take things overly seriously all the time. I can remember at the 2015 final, he was he was sitting in the, one of the cabanas outside uh, a, 
an establishment at night, you know, holding court with us in the media at like two in the morning. I mean, I don't imagine Scotty Bowman would have been doing that during his tenure uh, as a as a coach in the NHL. So, you know, John is uh, he's an excellent coach. He's done a great job there. To bring a team to the finals three times in six seven years is is pretty special under any circumstances, and to possibly win. Back-to-back Stanley Cups doesn't happen very often. Mike Sullivan was able to accomplish it at Pittsburgh in 2016-17. In uh, Before that, it was Detroit in the late 90s. So it's not easy, especially in the salary cap era. He's got a chance to do it. So there's no question he's uh, he's one of the very best coaches that we've seen, and uh, he continues just to click along there with that with the Lightning. Yeah, he's he's terrific. Now, how about you? You're calling the game for NHL International, and for people who don't. <laughs> understand what that is is that if you're not in the united states not in canada you can get the game around the world and it'll be ej giving it to you on television with kevin weeks and some people that have done this before sam rosen kenny albert i mean some big names so i'm really happy for you You must be pretty excited about this opportunity yeah yeah the late dave strader uh we love very much and we miss uh yeah. had the good fortune to call a game with dave one time when i was doing winter classic in D.C., the uh, Capitals and Blackhawks several years ago, and Dave was calling the game, and I was doing the uh, color, and uh, now I'm getting the opportunity to do the play-by-play. Uh, you know, as we talked about, I did the Bruins and Sabres near the end of the year, and I guess I didn't screw it up too bad, so they're giving <laughs> me this opportunity now. And I'm really excited to get to work with Kevin Weeks again. I have a great relationship with Kevin. I've known him going back to when he was a player First coming into the National Hockey League. I mean, there's going all the way back to the old NHL Tonight on ESPN, which I occasionally contributed on. There was there was an there. I think Kevin's first TV spot. I was on the show with him and John Butchagross was the host, and uh, so I've known Kevin and and had a relationship with him that's been really good for many years. And we had a good time calling that ruined Sabres game and. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to this. It's, as you know, Donnie, it gives me an opportunity to call uh, several games in a row and to have some repetition and to, to try to work on things and get better, and hopefully I won't screw it up too much. So we'll see how it goes, but uh, I'm really looking forward to the opportunity and certainly got to thank everybody at you know the NHL and at the NHL Network for, uh, for giving me this shot. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm so happy for you. It's a great opportunity. And as you said, those reps, you know, getting a chance to go out there and call a game every other day. And not just for you, but I just think for the hockey community outside of Tampa and Montreal, I just hope this thing goes seven, and I hope every one of them goes to overtime. There you go. Why not? <laughs> Why not? I'd have to, I'd, I'll tell you what, I'll be out of – I don't know if I'll be able to speak if we have seven straight overtime games by the end. But – I'm willing to take on that up that chance, so we'll see how it plays out. I mean, it should be. Uh, I mean, it's going to be a really interesting series, and I know we say that at the start of every series, but it's such an unusual matchup and one we didn't expect, despite the fact that the Canadians started the season so well, and then they've gotten into this run here in the postseason. But you know, I, when we looked at the start of the playoffs, Donnie, a lot of people. Like myself, we're talking about Colorado and Carolina and some other teams. And, you know, here we are with Tampa back. We probably should have been more on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, And then, you know, the Montreal Canadiens have kind of had this Cinderella ride. And, 
yet another Canadian team trying to bring the cup back to Canada. They were the last to do it in 93. We've had a series of teams that have taken cracks at it. Vancouver has had two swipes, 94 and 2011, and Calgary and Edmonton and Ottawa have all been to the final, but none of them could bring the trophy back across. Canadians are able to do this goal. This yeah, it's, it, it's crazy, not since 1993. Now, if you're looking for some symmetry, uh, the Phoenix Suns in the NBA are one win away from going to the NBA Finals for the first time since 1993. The Montreal Canadiens are in the Stanley Cup Final for the first time since 1993. And, oh, by the way, what was Tampa Bay Lightning's first season, EJ? 1993? 1992-93. How about that? It's all coming together. Yeah, there you go. See, if we just looked ahead, yeah, you know, we, mean, we would know. But, you know, because the signs are all there. You know, this, this Montreal team is somewhat similar to the 93 I agree. Team because they had that experienced goaltender backstopping mm-hmm. the whole thing. They won a lot of close games. I mean, that team, I think they won 10 overtime games, 10 or 11 overtime games en route to a Stanley Cup in 93. They beat my buddy Barry Melrose in uh, a five-game cup final with, the, with the, of course, the famous Marty McSorley stick-measuring incident late in game two at the old forum and... Uh, you know, that, that team is, uh, you know, they remind me a little bit of it. I mean, Patrick Waugh, of course, had already won a Stanley Cup, and so he had that pedigree from 86. But there's, there's, there are some things that, that, that remind me of that group, and, you know, we'll see. Um, the difference is, you know, the L.A. Kings, as much as they had Wayne Gretzky and they had a terrific team that year, they, had, they were not the defending Stanley Cup champions. And so uh, I think it's a little bit more of a battle this year against the Lightning team. And another thing, Donnie, maybe they won that cup in a bubble. Don't you think they'd love to win that cup in these circumstances with their fans in the building? I think that's another thing that might be driving them a little bit. Oh, there's no question. I was saying that during the Islander run, too, that it was something new about it because the fans didn't see the Islanders run to the third round last year because it was in Edmonton, and obviously the first couple of rounds were in Toronto. So the fans didn't get to experience it. So those fans in the Coliseum for Game 6 – you know, they hadn't seen a conference final since 93. And that 93 team, let's face it, that was an upstart team, too. That was a, that was a surprising run to the conference final where this Islander team really looked like they belong there. And it, it, and history's not going to remember it. And I, I, to get back to the Islanders for just a second, I know you're up against it, but I, I mentioned this on the K-Show, <laughs> that you can make the case that that Eberle goal in Game 6 was maybe the biggest goal that this franchise has had since 84. They don't win game six if they're down 2 nothing after two. You know, so that yeah. was a huge goal. And, of course, you know, winning in overtime and the emotions and the fans and all that stuff was just great. Unfortunately, it's going to get lost in time because they didn't win the series. But doing that in front of their fans that had suffered and had been through so much, and the same with the Lightning. You know, They win the Cup for the first time since 04. You know, that's a long time ago, 04. It's 15 years ago. Uh, more than right. that, you know, it's it, it's um, it's 17 years ago, and now and now they they might have a chance to actually see them lifted again. So adding the fans to it uh, definitely brings a huge element. I, I'm hoping that we get to see more fans at the Bell Center for Game Three too. Yeah, I hope that's the case. And you know, going you know, as you go out the Lightning, I mean the Islanders again. Uh, you know, you would have obviously the best way to close out any building is to win, just to win the championship, right? So it would have been kind of amazing to see the, the Stanley Cup 
at the Nassau Coliseum one more time. But, you know, that said, they had two pretty amazing final home games, if indeed, because I never want to say anything's for certain with the Nassau Coliseum because we've closed it before. <laughs> right. So, but the last two games there, the crazy finish in game four with uh, Ryan Pulock saving the game at the end and then the the rally and the uh, Bovillier goal in game six. Uh, you know, those are two games that are, like you say, they get lost a little bit when you don't win a series, but boy, oh boy, for the people who are at those games and the fans that watched together, those are indelible memories that will live with them for the rest of their lives. So uh, it was a great run for the honors, and unfortunately for them, they came up against a team that, you know, in, in each of the last two years, they've come up against great a great team. And that's I can remember Islander teams from the late 70s, Don, that were really good teams trying to find their way that ran into a Montreal Canadian buzzsaw that had won four, that won four straight cups. Sometimes just run into those teams. And, you know, I'm sure the Islanders were that team for a bunch of teams in the early 80s as well. So yeah. it was a great run by the Islanders. We'll see what they can do in the offseason because they're going to have some challenges salary cap-wise, just like everyone else. And uh, it'll be up to Lou Amarillo and company to kind of figure it all out. Well, apparently um, the Red Wings are in search of big contracts to get assets back. So maybe a lot, a lot of teams are going to be calling the Detroit Red Wings, I think, during this offseason. There you go. There you go. And Lee's coming back, right? Let's not forget that. I mean, Anders Lee was a major piece to this team, and I, I thought the, the trade for, for Zay Jack and Paul Murray was, was good, but that's not replacing Lee. I think Lou did what he had to no, do with the trading did, deadline. But Lee, Lee coming back is going to be big. They missed Anders Lee quite a bit in this series, and uh, it did change the dynamic. Palmieri and Zajac proved to be really good acquisitions and really helpful players. But Anders Lee was part of your first line with Everly and Barzell. And, uh, you know, he's not really an offensive player, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Andres Lee would have been a, would have been a big difference maker for that team. But if they had Lee, they wouldn't have been able to get Palmieri and Zajac most likely because of what the cap situation was. Um, but it was active run, and like I say, we'll see what they do in the off season because I know Adam Pallick is a restricted free agent just for one thing that they have to look at, and boy, that is an important contract because that guy is a terrific player. Yeah, that's going to be um, major hefty lifting for Lou for sure. All right. So, obviously, if you're listening to us in North America, you're not going to be able to watch EJ live. But if you're no. listening to us around the world, certainly tune in to NHL International tonight and throughout the series for EJ Raddick on the play-by-play and Kevin Weeks on the color. And if your network, if the NHL network had any class, right, any respect for EJ, that on the fly and in all of their programs, they will show yes. the international feed highlights instead of NBC or well, CBC. What I would say is I would be happy. You know, we do a variety of highlights on the NHL, NHL, the NHL Tonight post game, and the, we re-air. You know, I, I would. In the past, they've mixed them together. You know, you might hear a Sportsnet call, you might hear an NBC call, you might hear Steve Mears, who my former colleague, I was, you know, kind of remiss to mention the fact that Steve did the NHL International broadcast for several years and did a great job 
Um, they've mixed those in, so I would hope that there would be an opportunity to do that as well. And uh, so there, you can at least hear a piece, a snippet, if you will, of the call. Okay. Well, uh, I'm happy for you, man. Enjoy it. Should be a lot of fun. Hopefully, it's a great series, long series. Have some fun with it, and uh, we will talk to you uh, on Monday. And uh, let's see, can we do Monday? Because Monday's the fourth of July. No, that's the day after the fifth. So, would you be available? Fifth of July. All right. So I will, Don. I am always available for you. All right, so, so we'll come back next Monday, and hopefully we still have a series to discuss because I guess it goes Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yeah, so we should be able to we'll be setting up for a game four. Setting up for game four. All right, man. I'll talk to you then. All right, you got it, buddy. All right, that's the great EJ Raddick on the call of NHL International tonight and throughout the Stanley Cup final, the Montreal Canadiens and the Tampa Bay Lightning. I picked the Lightning in five just because I just feel like the worm is going to turn on this Montreal team with the loss of Armia. And listen, it's just a different set of circumstances, right? I mean, you look at the Toronto series, clearly the Leafs were flawed, right? Had a history of failing in the postseason. They lose John Tavares in game one. Okay, you take on a Winnipeg team that was was a good team, certainly better than the Canadians during the regular season, but not a great team by any stretch. And then the Shifley incident in Game 1, they they lose their number 1 center, so they end up sweeping the Winnipeg Jets. That was more of a surprise that they swept than a surprise that they won. Then you take on a Vegas team, and now we look back at those six games, and they've got no production out of their forwards. They're really weak in the center position. Now, Montreal made them look that way. Let's not take it away from the Canadians at all, but certainly Vegas ended up being a, a flawed team as we went deeper into this thing, and the Chandler-Stevenson loss was just something that Vegas really could ill afford to have happen to them early in the series. They did get him back for the last couple of games, but by then it just seemed to be too late that the monster had already built for the Canadians. But now you're going up against the Tampa team that is just deep. Now Kucherov's not 100%, certainly, and guys are banged up, but so are the Canadiens. They go in with very little pressure. They go in with a world-class goaltender in Carey Price. It just I, I think that Lightning just, just have too much offense. And also... Uh, no offense to Campbell, no, uh, certainly no offense uh, to Hullabuck and to Flurry and Leonard, but now you're really, I think, upgrading as far as goaltending is concerned with Vasilevsky, right? So when you look at all of it, best forwards they'll face, deepest blue line they'll face, best goaltender they're going to face, and I just think Tampa's just on a mission again, and I thought EJ brought up a great point too, playing in front of their fans, winning the cup at an empty building, now having a chance to do it all over again in front of their fans. Uh, This is going to be very, very tough. Montreal has won the first game of every series so far, and I think they're going to have to do it tonight to have a chance in this series, but I do think the carriage turns back into a pumpkin, much to my wife's chagrin, and I think the Lightning win this in five, but I'll be rooting for the Canadians for family's sake, and also I want to see a great series, and I think the people up in Canada deserve to see the Stanley Cup back there for the first time in 28 years to see if the Canadians can do it, so my heart's with Montreal, but my head tells me Tampa is going to win this in short order. Okay, we'll be back again on Wednesday, get you ready for game two of the series so back then if you want to get in touch with me at don lagreca hashtag game misconduct we'll talk to you then this was the monday edition of game misconduct this is the game misconduct podcast with don lagreca